Hello, my friends, and welcome to a another another exciting episode of Phantom Talk. Um, we are. I'm personally very glad to just be back. This is our first one, um, us as a group, post Horror Fest, um, which was absolutely fantastic this year. Uh, you know, if you guys get a chance, and if you're real, if you're into horror films, even if you're not, if you're just looking to kind of hear more about that genre. I cannot suggest those podcasts enough for you. Josh and Al just they they do a fantastic job every year. This year was no exception. Um, Al, I think at one point said that he thought that the Alien podcast was one of the best ones they had done like ever, and um, I I don't disagree with him there. It's 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 a fantastic one. Um, but yeah, they and and they have some fun moments as well. Um, but they also have some pretty pretty heavy moments as well. So you know, but this is going to be. This is going to be a fairly light podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about Eternals today. Um, but uh, first off, we're going to be doing... Uh, uh, we're going to be talking about some of the different kind of things we're doing uh, next month. We have got uh, Christmas Fest, which if you love Horror Fest uh, with Josh and Al talking about all the horrific horror movies out there, then boy, Christmas Fest is going to be a weird tonal shift for you. Um, cause it's going to be Al and Jenny talking about Christmas movies. Jenny absolutely adores Christmas. Um, whereas Al is, um, Al, how would you describe your feelings towards Christmas? Just in, in, in a few short words. Um, I'm not what some would call a Scrooge, but I, um, I'm definitely not a Saint Nick either okay <laughs> um i'm way more of like a way more of like a a stockhouse joe and that like you know i don't i don't hate what's going on at christmas but it also it also isn't the the most stress-free happy time of the year so you know i'm, gotcha. I'm a stockhouse joe if you will stockhouse joe okay uh, uh, fair okay okay i gotcha I gotcha. But, the, but, you know, talking about the different Christmas movies with that and then Jenny, who, Jenny, what are your thoughts on Christmas? Just real quick. It's the best time of the year. Best time of the year. See, yeah. there you go. So, you know, I, I, I think that's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting kind of, uh, juxtaposition to hear. Um, so, uh, so yeah, and that leads into the introductions. You just heard Al there and you got Jenny right over here. Um, hope you guys are doing good tonight. Yeah. 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 It's a happy holiday. It is a happy holiday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then we've also got the uh, Y Sage, Josh. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing real well. Doing good. Good. And the, uh, I am Jacob. I, as you all know, the editor. Um, but m- most importantly, of the introductions tonight, we have a new fandom correspondent. Everyone, um, we want to welcome Alyssa here on the podcast for the for the first time. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, but we want to welcome Alyssa. Well, no. That was that was it was the fanfare. It was you know it was Alyssa's here. Da-da! That that that's what it was. Okay, uh, Alyssa, we uh, we are so excited to have you as an official part of Fan and Correspondence. Now, um, you've been really just a great help uh, to us in a lot of different projects over the last couple of years as it was. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just we're just so happy that you're here. And uh, I hope that you're happy to be a part of the group as well. Yeah, I'm super excited. Woo! Yeah. Uh, 
down. Yeah. And uh, as and as kind of Alyssa's and and mine kind of her first big project that we're doing is I don't know if a lot of people have really noticed this, but next month is going to be the 20th anniversary of Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring coming out in theaters. I talked about this a little bit um, in the intro to my interview with uh, with Tyler uh, last week. But um, Alyssa is the person I trust when it comes to Middle-earth lore. Um, and I mean, I, I could not imagine doing the podcast without her. Um, and then we've also got some fantastic guests that we've got lined up. Um, and we're... We're very excited to have them on. It's going to be those are going to be some long podcasts. Just a heads up, um, but but we're excited for it. Um, so yeah, but today, guys, we're jumping right into it. Um, we're talking about Eternals. Um, if you have not seen the movie, we are going to be getting into some spoilery territory. Obviously, um, I will go ahead and tell you it's definitely worth watching. Very beautiful visual film. A lot of really cool. Scenes that I thought they did really, really good with the way they did the different um, superpowers that everyone uses. Definitely worth checking out. Um, but beyond that, we're going to get into some pretty spoilery territory very quickly. So if you guys do not want to have any spoilers, go ahead and, you know, turn us off right now. Come back later. We'll be here, you know. So, yeah. All right. <clears throat> um... Al, you're going to start us off, if you don't mind. General, uh, general thoughts on the Eternals film, just kind of overall. What were, your, what, was your, what were your takeaways from the film? Oh, oh boy, jumping out the gate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, the Eternals um, has a lot of really good things that are going for it. Um, as you said, it's, um, it's very visually uh, very beautiful. Um, has a lot of great um, environments, a lot of great set pieces, a lot of great special effects, uh, for sure. Um, it has a very talented cast. Um, I'm, I don't think I've ever been able to talk about it on a fandom talk episode because it just hasn't come up. But I am like a huge fan of Angelina Jolie. Um, so to get to see her in in an MCU thing was awesome um i was a huge fan of that um i think it does have a lot of problems um i think there are a lot of things that kind of hold it back for sure um it could also just be the effect of having been spoiled by a lot of really really good mcu content um over the last couple years uh that could be kind of uh creating somewhat of a bias in my mind but um i do think it has some um, some challenges in it. I do think it has some things I hold it back from the usual quality that we've come to expect from MCU projects. But um, overall, yeah, I think it's it's definitely worth watching. Um, I had fun, which, as I often say, that's like the main thing I watch things for is to have fun with them. So it accomplished that for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, had some good and some bad, as as most things do. Oh, my brothers and sisters, as most things do. <laughs> nice. Uh, Jenny, what were your kind of general thoughts of the movie? Um, it was very uh, aesthetically pleasing. Um, some of the characters were interesting. They're um, like Thena, like, uh, I don't remember most of their names, but just a heads up there. Uh, but the, the speedy girl, 
She was really cool. Speedy like, girl. Those are two characters, yep. and um, and uh, the one dude. Okay. Uh, Gilgamesh. No. Well, yes, him, but the other one. Uh, Druig. Yes. Druig. Those gotcha. characters, yes. like, I would explore outside of these movies. That's how much I liked them, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like, oh, like it was com- comparatively to uh, the other MCU movies, it was uh, a little lackluster for me. But overall, it was fine. You know, it was cool. Okay. okay. It was, yeah, it exists. So. Yeah. So, more, 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 more. so what I'm getting from you is more Speedy Girl. Yeah, more Speedy Girl. More Speedy Girl. More Athena. Okay. More Drig. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Josh, general thoughts on the movie? Yeah, uh, so this is probably gonna be the grumpiest statement I've ever made on, oh. on a podcast. Oh, oh. <laughs> Man, I move the mic closer. I <laughs> mean, that's saying something for 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 me. Uh, but I basically just two things. And I'll we'll explore more because I already know the questions you're gonna ask. But uh, it is the best movie I've ever seen that I wish was never made. And Chloe Zhao spent. Two hundred million dollars to tell us how much she hates Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. <laughs> Those fair. are the two mm. things that I took away from this movie. And uh, uh, and you know, and I, I'm not totally sure you can you can you know do much with those two things. But I know I agree with everything's been said. It's beautifully acted. You know, in fact, it's way better acted than it probably deserves. Great vistas, beautifully shot. I don't think the movie should have ever been made. All right. Uh, probably should have said you for less. Alyssa, general thoughts on the movie? <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Um, you know, kind of echoing what Al and Jenny and to some degree Josh have said. Uh, you know, obviously it's not the best MCU film, but I would watch it again. It was fun. Um, it had its moments. It was a little ambiguous in some parts. Like, there were some some questions left unanswered just regarding the Eternals Mm -hmm. in general and their history. And like, as someone who never really read many comics and kind of just jumped into, you know, Marvel through the films and the Netflix shows and stuff like that. um, I don't know a whole lot of background on the Eternals. So this was like my first exposure to them at all. Um, And there were just like a lot of things that I don't think I picked up on um, until talking with Al about it afterwards. But overall, I kind of really liked it. Um, Again, not the best, not the worst. Would watch again. Um, I wish we had talked about this a little bit yesterday and I wish that we had more character development for literally everybody but (laughs) yeah 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 i i think it's kind of a difficulty because you have because you have uh 10 brand new characters that you have to cover in a in a very short period of time i mean it's it is it is the second longest mcu film and I still feel like there was some stuff left undone with a lot of the different That's characters. The second longest yeah, it's it goes Endgame, Endgame Eternals, and then Infinity War. Yeah, uh, so I think <laughs> no, I think No Way Ho- No Way Home. I think might beat Infinity War. I think it's going to be the third. I huh. think. Um, That's but, crazy. Yeah. Um, 
But the thing is, is that, you know, when you have that kind of concept, because, I mean, even, even just there, I, I missed a person who's going to be, I think it's going to be decently important in a, a couple of future films is uh, Kit Harrington's Dane Whitman. Um, he, another new character is just now introduced, does get a whole lot of screen time. That's his was kind of more of a cameo. So his kind of made sense. But with the other 10, with the main 10 Eternals, you, you have a lot to do with a short period of time because that's a lot of characters to just toss right at us. Um, and although I do agree with you, I think they um, needed more time. I think that with what they, with the time they had, I think they did almost as good as they, as good as they could have, but uh, we're, we'll go a bit more into that here in just a little bit. Um, but first off, I did want to, so the first set of questions I've got was kind of talking about our different, characters that we really enjoyed or different characters we wanted to kind of speak on. Um, Al, we're going to start with you again. Um, you, you once did a video where you uh, talking about birds of prey, um, where you talked a little bit about how ableism was an issue with that movie, uh, focusing on, uh, Cassandra Kane. contrast that with this movie where we have Makari who is the speedster and is deaf um, and she is not she is a very important character. She's also a very interesting character. And I actually just found this out today. The actress playing her is also deaf as well. Um, so I kind of thought that was pretty cool. So uh, Al, what were some of your thoughts on her on her characterization and just her inclusion into the movie? Yeah, um, I thought she was great. Um, I I definitely applaud. Um, Disney and Marvel um, for for first of all having a character who who has a disability um, not just on screen but having you know an active important role on screen um, and then as you said um, also applaud them for casting um, an actress who actually has the disability themselves to portray that character um that's honestly a problem that happens a lot where where a people group is represented through a character but the actress or actor that is chosen um is not actually a representative of the group um, who's being depicted um and that's also an issue because if you're gonna if you're gonna capitalize and profit off the character itself then you should also be trying to empower and expose um, the people who who are actually affected by it and show their success and give them an avenue um, for for a more direct um, industry rep as well. So I was um, I was very happy that that character was in there, that she had her disability, and that it was um, and that she was played by an actress who actually had the disability herself. And I thought it was um, depicted really well too. Um, you know they used um, um, they used subtitles to explain what was going on with the sign language. Um, it showed that other characters, um, other Eternals, um, also also knew sign language and knew how um, to interact with her and give her that affirmation and support. I thought that was really important to show as well. But there wasn't any point where where the disabled um, character had to entirely rely on a supportive enabled character. There wasn't any kind of 
fabled saviorism um, or anything. It was very much just, this is an independent character that has a disability. This is how it's depicted. This is how they're supported from the people around them, but they are very much independent. They are very much able to take care of themselves and um, and do extraordinary things that we see all kinds of characters in the MCU do. Um, so yeah, for sure. I was really impressed with that side of it. On the other side of it, um, also just with how her character functioned um, in the movie as well, it was really refreshing to see a speedster actually be fast in a superhero movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the scenes we've gotten used to where everything else is slow. Um, which, like, I don't, like, entirely hate that. I think it was cool, like, the first couple of times I saw it. But uh, it was really cool to actually see speed in the context of how the rest of the world actually is and see the impact from it and see just how powerful it can be. I thought that was really refreshing. I thought that was way more entertaining to watch than just, you know, the umpteenth slow-mo action scene that we've come to kind of expect. So that Mm. was really refreshing um, and really entertaining, and it kind of helped to set uh, her and her character apart um, as well. So I thought that was really, really cool. That was obviously, out out of all the action scenes that happened in Eternals, I think the scenes with her were by far the most enjoyable ones uh, just because of the cool aspects and dynamics that she brought. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, um, I mean, there was, there, there's a point in the woods where there's an action scene and he's not a part of it. And I remember my first thought being like, well, if he was there, they'd be doing a hell of a whole lot better. Um, because they're kind of like struggling against against the the deviants, and I, I was that was that was my only thought. Is I was like, I mean, Macari, like, like to, to your point, like you said, there was never a point where he needed anyone else's help, like just beyond this like natural teamwork. Um, but there was never a point where he seemed to be in distress or anything like that. I re- and I really enjoyed I mean, that. She almost took out Icarus. She she did. She almost took out Icarus. I mean, she that that scene where she is just, I mean. I mean, she's she's just going crazy, and and I and I loved it. I was I was I was there for it. I was kind of confused by the order of people they got just to bring this up now because she's the last one they technically get. Yeah, it's like hmm, I feel like I feel like her powers would have been pretty useful very yeah. early on. Yeah, wasn't she further away though? Maybe she doesn't matter. It could be too that they didn't know where she was because like they all seemed surprised when they found her on the ship. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Fastest was the only one who who knows where she is at that point because yeah. he he hit the ship. Um, but uh, fair point. Fair but yeah. But speaking about the others, um, Jenny, uh, talk to me a little bit about Thena and Gilgamesh. I, I know that you you really enjoyed their story and you thought it was pretty unique. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about that. Um, I just really liked their connection. You know, you. Uh... You see, like, the really cool fight scene in the beginning, and, you know, Athena is just, like, owning everybody, and so is Gilgamesh, and, um, and again, I'm sorry if I'm butchering names, it's just the way it is, but, uh, (laughs) um, so they're already, like, intriguing characters, and then, um, you know, she starts, like, losing her mind or whatever, and, uh, homegirl, uh, Ajax? Yeah, yeah, she's all like, well, I guess I just got to, like, freaking erase her entire memory because mm. that's just a thing we do 
And for sub, I, I was like, okay. And everybody was sort of okay with this. And then Gilgamesh is like, nah, I got this. Like, I'm just going to watch over her for all of eternity. And I, I thought that was out, so uh, amazing. Makari was not okay with it. Because she said, well, then she won't be thin anymore. Oh, that's right. Which I yeah. thought was really cool because that's the, she's the one that got injured the most. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. From oh, yeah, her yeah, attack. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. The two will get injured the most from her attack are the two that stood up for yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I just thought that was cool because, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously it was cool because, yeah, I don't know. I just really liked them a lot. It was cute. And I really like that, like, their whole story, it's not really specifically stated one way or the other. Like, are they in a romantic relationship? Is it totally platonic? But, like, it doesn't matter at all because it's still very much a love story, whether or not it's a friendship love or a romantic love. And it's still, like, the most compelling relationship in that movie. Yeah, for mm. sure. Yeah. It's more compelling than, you know, Icarus and Cersei's relationship. So I mean the dig it dark in here, some shade I mean, being thrown. You know, no, uh, oh just, just <laughs> dumb. Okay, gotcha. Um but no I, I completely agree with you. I and and I'm not I'm not even certain, and I'm not saying that other actors or actresses would do a worse job, but I am saying that Anthony Jolie, and I want to say his name is Don Lee. I should have looked this up. I cannot remember what his name is, but both of them were absolutely fantastic in their roles here. Yeah, I um, yeah. And And to Al's point, like you said, just seeing Anthony Jolie in a Marvel movie was kind of surreal a couple of times, but then... It was just really good. It was just really cool to see her in it, though. She so. was really badass. I yeah. wish I could have. We could have seen more of her fighting. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I, I, I wanted to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Like I get, you know, that her mind was kind of messed up, but like she was just. I, I liked watching her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the biggest missed opportunity in the film. Um, here, gr- grumpy interpolation number one. <laughs> oh, hey, here we she's go. The biggest missed opportunity in the film. I, and I do want to point out that I said this last night. Jake had to look it up uh, and. And then tell me later that I was right about it. Mm. Uh, Thena is Thanos' cousin. And in a movie where they explicitly mentioned Thanos, I don't know why that's not revealed in this movie. Yeah. Uh, that's um, kind of weird. You know, so it's kind of, it, it, that, that's very strange. That's a very, that would be a really cool, that would add a lot to her backstory. That would explain some things. Um, but that's just a huge missed opportunity, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. That's what I was saying, like, when, you know, during the introductions, when I was, like, you know, there are characters that I would, like, go and, like, want to learn more about and, like, read, you know, comics about, and she's one of them. Mm. I thought she was very intriguing. Yeah, if, um, when we, uh, went and watched it, uh, right after the movie was over, the very first thing I thought about, as far as, like, a criticism of Eternals went, is that, um, we should have heard way more just in general from Angelina Jolie's character. She should have, like, I want to say almost she had, like, some of the fewest lines in the entire film because there were a lot of scenes where she was just kind of standing there and hanging out. And, um, you know, you went out and got Angelina Jolie to be in a superhero movie, and you're just going to kind of have her be a prop for so many scenes. And it just, yeah, I agree with Josh. It was a huge, hugely under, hugely underutilized actress. 
for her role. It was it was crazy to me. Yeah, I think um, I think that's something. the The more I thought about it, and the more I started looking at, because I was uh, Alyssa, you said that this was really your first ever hearing of the Eternals, or really even seeing them at all. Um, I'm not too too far ahead of you. Um, I knew who Icarus and Cersei were um, because they both show up in different Avengers comics, and I I knew who Thena was. Um, because I knew that she was the like the stand-in for Athena, the the goddess of wisdom and war uh, from Greek mythology. But I was, but I didn't really know a whole lot about like their backstories and everything else. And then I started looking more stuff up, and I I don't know they they there's so much they could they could have done with these different characters, and particularly Athena being one of them because she does have a very rich backstory. Um, because they kind of mix the different, there's apparently different generations of Eternals, and they kind of mix those. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them does involve Thanos. He, he is an Eternal. Um, and so I, I don't know, I feel like they could have done a lot more tying in with the fa- with the, the last three phases, you know, big bad. I really think that that was something they could have, they could have mentioned um, and really kind of worked towards, but, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Um, Moving on, um, Josh, you apparently the only person who liked uh, Icarus in this movie um, and uh, Richard Madden's performance. Um, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, n- not to say. That, all, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. I, I apologize. He probably excuse played me. the dickhead better than he should have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, Personally, we no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. You know, but. I also recently learned this. Apparently, you, me, and Al um, were the three who did not see his turn coming. Um, and Jenny and Alyssa called it, apparently, like, how soon in the movie would you say you all knew he was going to he was going to turn? Basically, when he, like, went and stood and stared out the window. I don't know. <laughs> Just like... Okay, you know what... <laughs> You know what's wor- what's the worst part about that, Alyssa? Is my next question was about to be which time. Um, so so yeah, no, I mean that's you know yeah. I would say um, when I found out like they were married and he just like bounced, I was like, oh, he's probably the bad guy. That was like my train of thinking. Okay. So I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And the the only turn I I would have said I would have called was sprites. Um, but I no, I did, I did not call Icarus's turn. But also because, one of the, in fairness, one of the reasons is is because I know Icarus in the comics. Mm-hmm. And what I will say about this movie, if I, I, I mean, I'll give this credit, uh, I'll give credit to this movie on a lot of things. But the thing it probably deserves most credit on uh, for both Chloe Zhao and Richard Madden and just the MCU in general is that. They took the guy that they had basically built the campaign around for this movie, and they were like, "Hey, he's going to be a genocidal monster," and that's that's what we're going to do with that. And that's a pretty brave move to do mm-hmm. with with the character. Um, there's probably a lot of Icarus stands out there. Maybe I don't know. As I've <laughs> stated before, Eternals has never has never sold as a comic ever. They've tried it several times. It doesn't work. But if there are Icarus stands out there, they were probably really upset with the interpretation. I was not as upset with the interpretation 
because as I've stated before, I watched this movie very early on. And one thing that I did figure out very early on is the point of this movie was going to be, this is what heroes look like when they don't care about the people that they're trying to save. And as far as the person that carries that moral, Icarus is the one that carries that moral. And so the fact that he's basically just doing a, a Henry Cavill as Superman impersonation while he's while he literally does not care about the genocide of seven billion people on this planet. I mean, it's 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 essentially a a comment on these movies. But as much as I enjoy that and everyone who's ever listening to this podcast knows I enjoy taking digs at the DC universe uh, as far as their movies go and Man of Steel and Batman for Superman and Justice League and in particular their interpretation of Superman, which I think is horrible in all those movies. Um, I'm not totally sure that was a necessary thing that the Marvel Cinematic Universe needed to do because it takes up, that point takes up a substantial part of this movie and takes away from um, character development of people like Thena, of people like, uh, what's Brian Tyree Henry's character? Uh, Fastos. Fastos, of Makari, you know? And even, and to, and to an extent, even though I didn't really like the character Sprite, but like, you know, it takes away from more interesting characters that are on there because we have to have this moral where we're, where it almost seems, and, and that's, that's the reason he's my favorite character. It's the pettiness of it, where the MCU is basically saying, hey guys, these are the characters that don't care about anybody. And it's literally a Superman stand in. So much so that little kids go and call this guy Superman. All right. Because remember, the DC characters, you know, they're dark and brooding and they don't care about people. And so we're going to have a movie where we're just going to shove that down your throat for a while. And there's part of me as Josh Harsey, petty monster, that love that. But the problem is it essentially ruins the movie because if that's your moral, then what is the point of going to this movie to begin with? Because there's because there's no, there's nothing else carrying this movie other than just like well we have to stop those guys. What well, we know that okay we are I mean we're in a, we're in an MCU movie we already got that point okay so like I, I as yes he, he he was my favorite part of the movie Richard Madden is fantastic in this movie for all the brooding he does it's he's, he's great at it um, you know the visuals uh, they do Superman better than than anyone else has done so far as far as his power sets as far as how he moves as far as how he flies uh, all that looks great but you know it, it there's there was part of me just like man you know chloe Zhao really hated man of steel and it ruined her own movie and that's that's where i stand on it hmm. yeah um yeah no i mean I mean, I, I do was agree that with your you about. Question? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It was, it was. What were your thoughts on Icarus and Richard Madden's performance? And no, he, he, he. Oh, he got there. Um, no. Um, <laughs> um, sometimes, when, sometimes when you do go on long, longer rants, I expect you to just like, like your eyes just like wide out, and then you just go, "Where am I?" You know, just like. But, 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 hey, but that, that's that's. I love that. No, that was great. Um, and and to your point, I, I do agree with a lot of what you said, uh, especially about the fact that they pinned. I mean, like you said, he is, with the exception of like Salma Hayek and Angelina Jolie, he is very clearly the biggest name. He is put forth as the star of the movie, you know, um, in a lot of ways. And then they were just like, actually, he's the villain. Well, you know? but it, it, it's worse than that because, like, okay, I'll tell you what. 
Real quick, mm. real quick. Mm. 20 seconds. Tell me about Iron Man. T tell me about Tony Stark in the first Iron Man movie. Just, just tell me about him. Okay. Um, okay. He's uh, he's a weapons dealer, uh, weapons manufacturer. He's a playboy philanthropist. Mm -hmm. um, he has to go on this journey after he has this horrible accident and then realizes that his own work has been basically destroying the world as a whole. And so he goes on and um, becomes Iron Man to stop what he has actually helped to create yeah. overall. And I mean, he's, he's got, he's, he's arrogant, you know, he's yeah. very, and, and so he has to overcome that arrogance, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Okay. Tell me about Cersei in this movie. Cersei is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Al, tell me about Cersei in this movie. Um, she, to me, she was a representation of kind of a person who you see gradually lose their faith and become very disillusioned um, in something that they believed in, um, which I thought was cool. Well, well, was well, cool. What scenes explored that, Al? I mean, I agree with you. I agree that's what they were going with, but wh where was that explored? I mean, when she's talking to Arishim and then, like, realizes that they're going to commit genocide... She's not really a fan. Here's okay. Here, 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 here's what I'm talking she about. is not a fan. We're, we're, we're told, okay, we're told very early on in this movie, okay, all right, several times actually, that Cersei just loves these people. She just loves humans, okay, all right, and like it's one of those show and not tell things. It's it's the same concept of like Obi Wan and Ken elevator. You know, I haven't been this, see this nervous since you took got you out of that nest of gun darks, okay, all right, but we don't see that, so it doesn't connect to us. Cersei's, we're told where she loves humanity. We see her do a dance. We see her give Icarus a cookie. And then we see her have a, a uh, have a wedding uh, in Guta, uh, which is which is fantastic, by the way. Also, I, I, I love the historical stuff. Okay, but... And the kids in the earthquake. And the kids in the earthquake, yeah. okay? So, so, so we see, we, we get those instances, okay? All right, all right. And like, I don't, like, if Cersei's your lead character... You know, it once again, it's one of those concepts of like because you've got all these characters you've got to you've got to work with, you end up losing your lead character who saves everybody. But I never really got the sense of like you know, I mean, yeah, she, she might be disillusioned, but like I never really got the sense of like why 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 go against seven thousand years of your training? You know, you get that with other people. You know, you get that with you. Kind of, I mean, they try with with Festos. But they, you don't really get that with Cersei, and she's your lead, apparently. I mean, am, am I wrong here? No, no, I think that if I were an eternal entity who had a bunch of superpowers and could change the atomic structure of whatever I touched, um, if I were to choose a job where I taught school children, um, that's a pretty big statement that I'm in love with humanity and can see the absolute best in what humanity has to offer that I would have that power set and just be like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to these kids every day and <laughs> spend time with them. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think if you're going to choose a character to pick on as far as a lack of character development, I'm not really sure Hersey is your best choice. 
I think almost anybody else in the movie is, but I'm not sure she's the best choice to really demonstrate your point. And I don't disagree with your point at all. I think, as I said earlier, this, if there's one thing this film suffers the most from is from a lack of character development um, for most of its cast, but I'm not sure Hersey is the best example of that. I mean, she's the, I mean, I would say she's the best choice if she's the lead. Now, if you want to argue she's not the lead in it, then that's fine, you know. But then, but then we've got to talk about who the lead is, then, you know. And then, then, then we we get back into very basic, you know, movie making ideas of like who's the protagonist, you know. I did that mm. on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I'm just saying, like, but I, that's the thing, you know. It's like, you know, the the the, char- the character to me of Cersei is is another lost opportunity because. You know, she's she's the one that saves the day. She's the she's the spark for all of this, and because she is, we don't really get to see. In, in my opinion, we don't get to see a whole lot with her. We get told a lot about her. You know, we get. I mean, you know, Ajax tells us a lot about her. You know, uh, Ajax tells us a lot about her through talking to Icarus. You know, um, you know, uh, Festos tells us some things about her through talking with with her. You know. Things like that, but like we don't really get to see a whole lot. And I'm more, and you know, and I once here, here's here's grumpy Josh number two. I'm more of a of a show Sorry. not tell. It's oh, it's three. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm more of a show not tell kind of guy when it comes to movies because like, you know, if if the character isn't, I mean, you're right. She being a school teacher is a big deal, but we get 20 seconds of her in a classroom, and then an earthquake happens. You know, so it's like. Uh, it's you know we we don't get to see that and and so like you you cut all that out because you have so many different things you have to do um, I don't know once again like it it it, it just it, it, that that was a waste to me in a, in a lot of ways because she she's fantastic at it mm. um, you know and and I and I do think you know the fact she has she has a very interesting power set one we haven't seen they did some really cool stuff with it um, but. Just as far as the the character, I, I wanted I wanted more from that because she's the lead. Very little personality too. Yeah, I, I mean I I mean maybe <laughs> maybe I don't know. she might have a great personality. I don't know. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like if we're just going off the movie, kind of you know. Yeah. Like a unsalted cracker. Oh. Uh, well. Mm. I don't know. I'd go that far. Yeah. Yeah. Really loves humans, Jenny. She loves them. Anyway, take it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I'm going to readjust some questions. Uh, Alyssa. Yes. Um, so you had told me that you said you said you really enjoyed Druig as a character. Um, I, during the movie, I kind of thought that he was, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, I think he was kind of meant to be the pragmatist of the, of the, of the group. Um would you kind of agree with that? And kind of what were your thoughts on him just as, as a character and kind of his story arc throughout this? I really appreciated his mindset through all of it, I think. Um, I really liked, I don't know, like I know it was meant for comedy, but like that one part where I forget where they were, but there were the guys who started fighting and he like made them all hit themselves and then like... Mm-hmm apologize to each other and like yes mind control is gray heading towards bad but at the same time like his take on it with the whole you know i could have 
you know, ended all of their wars and I could have made them like just get along, like I I can kind of see where he's coming from with that. Like I I'm not explaining this very well, but um yeah, I think it's very telling that he didn't just take over the whole planet and mind control everyone. You know, he focused on his small community in his rainforest where, you know, arguably his little cult following were all doing pretty well there for a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Also, they, he's like absolutely a style icon. <laughs> Just fair. like very aesthetically. I don't know. I appreciated I did, that too. I did kind of like his and and it, Barry Koenig, I think is his name. He's 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 one of the guys from Dunkirk. That that that's what I knew him from. Um, but just the way that he played him. He it was it was in a very kind of controlled manner. There was there was this kind of weird kind of stance that he always had about him. He was very he was all he was always standing up very straight. Um, to your point, his suit is the most straightforward in my opinion because it's, it's the least flashy. It's got like that, that black and red, which looks really cool. Yeah. Um, but also like I, and th- this was it was a very subtle thing that I think that I don't know if anyone else noticed um but every time he would stand he would no matter what was going on he would cross his hands in front of him um yes almost almost like like, like the only way I can describe it is almost like like someone at like I mean this it's weird it's weird to say but like at a wedding or a funeral like like it's it, it's almost in like a ceremonious way like he, uh, as in, like he has respect for what's going on around him, kind of thing. And I, I, yes. I kind of thought that was a really kind of interesting. I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you and Jenny. I was really intrigued to see more of him because yeah. I thought that his characterization was very interesting. Um, and I think it's interesting. Like he's the first one who left. Mm-hmm. He was the first one who kind of branched out on his own, and I don't know. Like I feel like out of all of the characters portrayed he had maybe not the most personality but to me like the most intriguing personality because like clearly he is this very powerful person and you see him you know demonstrating that very willingly but then also like there's the very like play playful and flirtatious side and you know you can actually see the care that he has for other people in their group as well as you know, to some degree, kind of the disdain for the humans, but, you know, not wanting them all to die, just, you know, you can see that as well. Um, I don't know. He's very expressive, I think. Like, very composed, but at the same time, very expressive. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Um, I was also really kind of intrigued, because you you had mentioned how he used his, his, his powers just to really kind of focus on his own little community. I was, I will readily admit, I thought he was going to be the one who had turned. Um, because they show you that I, I can't quite remember when they show you certain flashbacks. And I apologize about that. Cause the movie does move. Um, I was never lost, but it does move very quickly. Um, yeah. 
there's whenever he does leave, I can't remember if that's right before they go to see him in present day. I think it is um, to kind of set up kind of where, why he left in the first place. Yeah. Uh, that part where he's like almost walking down into the fire and like into the chaos, which is like mm-hmm. typically the kind of visual that you would use. Like it's very Anakin esque. I yeah. feel like. <laughs> no, uh, no, Absolutely. So, yeah, I think that was a really cool turnaround to, like, see that. And then I think you're right. I think that was right around the time when, you know, we see him present day. And you go from just, like, that inferno to, like, the green, the river, you know, the little peaceful village. Um, And, like, it was interesting because I could tell they were kind of trying to like play it off as like, oh, this is like a super weird, super creepy place. But like, I don't know. I didn't get that vibe just from the visuals of it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I agree. I think I think it's meant to. I think it's meant to look weird at first, you know, because because like mm-hmm. you said, it is he is controlling a commune, but yeah. I think at the same time it's. Like, I mean, he, he, it doesn't take a whole lot of convincing for him to be like, okay, these guys do not need to be fighting my battles for me. Um, whenever Cersei, yeah. Cersei just says, just let them go. There's not really any kind of argument. It's just, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, yeah. Like enjoying this character is a very weird thing because like on one hand, like, no, let's not endorse mind controlling humans. <laughs> like that could very quickly kilter off to evil but um at the same time just like that desire for peace and that desire for calm in you know taking care of those people to that extent was i don't know it was interesting i liked it uh, I, I, yeah i mean like i his his power set it was interesting to see because his power set and, and and Umbrella Academy does this as well with I think her name is Allison's uh, character where their power sets are actually typically they could very easily be considered more of an evil set piece, um, particularly right. if you can, particularly if you had like recently watched like the first season of Jessica Jones with uh, with Kilgrave um, or, yeah. or any other time that anyone could really do any kind of mind control. A lot of times it, that leads into the absolute power corrupts absolutely um, aspect. Yeah. But I really, I really enjoyed that they kind of they tried to make it to to where he he was almost always a at least trying to think about what's best for the people. Um, right. Yeah, and I liked that. And I don't know. I kind of I do really appreciate that he didn't end up being one of the villains in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like with all of the visuals and, you know, he has the darker colored outfit. He has, you know, like you said, the power set that typically would, you know, very easily be used for evil. He has, you know, that whole scene where he's like walking down into the fire to like go summon his mind controlled minions, basically. Um, I think it would have. In any other movie, I would say that would be, like, very on the nose, like, if he then ended up turning on them. But, I mean, in this movie, we literally have a character named Icarus flying into the sun. So, (laughs) I don't know if on the nose necessarily applies here or not, but... That's a very good point. (laughs) Um, 
uh, circling back around, um, Al, you and you and Josh talked a lot about visuals during Horror Fest. Of course, a lot a lot of the films that you guys were talking about used definitely used more more practical effects than what's in this film. But what did you think about the different visuals and the set pieces of the film that they that they really that Chloe Zhao really tried to focus on in this one? Yeah. Um... I think by far the best thing about um, Eternals is how it looks. Um, I mean, you go through um, a bunch of different environments, which I think is really um, an underused way to to diversify your visuals in a film. Um, and so what you have where uh, they're kind of going to different cities and countries and areas to to reassemble the team. And so, you know, you go to an area where um, it's out in the outback of Australia. So it's very um, dry, desert type of, of environment there. You have the lush green of, of the rainforest. You have like the urban environments like um, in England where uh, on the movie, the modern day part of the movie kind of starts. So um, you have a lot of really cool uses of environments that add to kind of the changing visuals um, that are going on on screen. Um, And I think that helps it a lot. Um, And it's, it's a very good thing that it has that much, um, um, that much visual diversity. Um, Because I'm not sure how y'all kind of felt about it. Or interpreted it, but um, I felt there were a lot of times in Eternals where things kind of dragged um, a bit. <laughs> um, I thought there were times where um, it was very slow, um, but that was kind of tempered a bit by on um, the fact that you do hit so many t- different kinds of environments um, and different kind of visuals. I think that um, kind of helps to balance it out. Um, a lot more so that was good and um and i have to say i really am glad that we got um the hingo uh, recruitment scene because um if there was something in the mcu did not have it was a hollywood um dance um and it has that now and i think everything i think i think everything would be improved from having a bollywood dance so i'm (laughs) glad we got that I will say it's interesting that in a movie about whether or not humanity itself is good enough and worth saving, they did focus a lot more on like the world in the natural sense rather than like the people in it. Mm. As far as like the visuals and the beauty and the goodness of it. You didn't really see that portrayed in, like, the actual human population as much as you did just, like, the natural world. Yeah, I, we were we were kind of discussing that right after uh, the movie itself, and I, I can't remember. I think Josh did mention it first, I think. Um, but I mean, I, but either way, one of one of Jenny or Josh mentioned it, um, and to to your to your point, you know, like the 
the the few times that we actually see actual humans, they're they keep Fighting. trying to toss. The, hmm? What? Sorry. Oh no, you're good. Um, they keep trying to toss back, toss that that focus of you know should we control them even though we are basically gods more so into the conversation so much so that they don't show the actual aspect the good solid human aspects i mean the the times we have to see humans are a lot of times until like the modern day setting is when they're either at war with each other or they're dropping an atomic bomb like a literal atomic bomb um and that's you know that's kind of Kind of not great, honestly. That that's not really the be the best move. Um, no. I'm kind of, I'm I'm kind of with you on that one. Um, I think they could have done more to show. I mean, really, I I, I think they really should have focused more on the movies con uh, connection to Endgame in a lot of ways because that's the reason that Ajax changes. It's the reason that he starts thinking differently. Um, is because that humanity itself fought to save everything, not just Earth, just the universe, the universe in general, um, in Endgame. And so that's, I don't know. I, I think I, I think that is a missed opportunity. I really do. I, I think you're right on that. Yeah, and like all of the scenes, you know, that we get again, like it is a very visually pleasing movie. Like aesthetically, it's incredible, but it. It is interesting that they focus more on, like, those visuals rather than the cultural humanity visuals. Mm. So. Yeah. Um, Jenny, kind of piggybacking off of that, um, and really kind of it's really kind of lack of connections to what came before. Um, how do you feel about how this film did fit into the MCU? Um, to me, it seemed kind of disjointed from most of what the other films were kind of setting up, except for that just a few references, such as like Thanos, and then they talk about the Avengers and you know Captain mm -hmm. America and Iron Man and everything. But what were your kind of your thoughts on how it connected to the other movies, or or the lack thereof, even? Yeah, no, I I don't really. I mean, like I, I know it does, but like to, it didn't feel like it did at mm -hmm. all. Like the aesthetic of it was different. The general tone of it wasn't MCU. It just wasn't me. Um, but you know, a lot of people might disagree. That might be a me thing. You know, I I remember leaving Endgame and knowing that this type of movie was gonna happen eventually, just because you know, ten years of just flawless movies that I really don't have anything to complain about, and then it ending with you know Endgame. I knew something like this was gonna happen. So. Mm -hmm. You know, that's yeah. so. So, in a lot of ways, they kind of set themselves up to by having so many good movies that I mean, yeah, and projects like and even projects, like with the yeah. Disney Plus stuff. Like, mm. so yeah, I just think it's and you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm sure this movie, this will probably be a lot of people's favorite MCU movie. I highly doubt that. Well, it might be though, because you it know, it's be. like I said, I, I mentioned to y'all last night after we watched it, it was very, um, if it's perfectly into the category of like a sci-fi movie mm -hmm. it's you know very stereotypical sci-fi in my opinion um just because of you know how the plot uh moves and everything i just i don't know it's just completely different um but yeah i don't know i gotcha what do you think do you think it's 
to me, it has a very abrupt ending. Do you it think? Does, yeah. um, Again, that's very sci-fi. Yeah. Um, what do you think about kind of how it sets up for the different between that and the end credit scenes? Kind of how it sets up for the MCU going forward. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm real excited about Harry Styles. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah. you know. I don't really care what happens actually, as long as Harry Styles. You just want it. Harry yeah. Styles, okay? Yeah, that's gotcha. fine with me. Um, but no, I I don't know. Like, I I didn't hate the movie by any means, but like, it's just. It's just not it for me personally. So I, I, I am curious, and I think this this has to be asked. Mm. Okay. Um, Loki, uh, Bucky, and Eros share the same screen at the same time. Will you just explode at that point, like from happiness? Probably. Yes. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So so Alyssa clarified. Alyssa's but, ready. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because that's a that's, that's to me the best part of the movie was knowing that Harry Styles is now in the MCU. I think okay. I think that was really All great. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So was uh, anyone else surprised by that? Because I did not know he was in this movie at all. It was ruined for me via yeah. TikTok, so, TikTok uh, <laughs> Instagram, just like yeah. for the everyone else. Did not talk about the movie at all. Yeah, but I do. Hate but the two in credit scenes, they were like, "Oh boy, are we ready to talk about these?" Yeah. No spoiler warnings or anything. Yeah. Um, oh, and Kit Harrington, like that's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He seems chill. Yeah, he, you know, he, he does seem chill. You know. He does seem chill. Getting the black blood is gonna end up. That says that says death is my reward. Yeah. yeah so, you know. It's pretty yeah. chill. It's pretty chill. Yeah. It's chill. <laughs> Well, look, okay, like, I, I understand um, that, you know, Jenny's in love with Harry Styles, but I, there was another extremely sexy being <laughs> on the screen at the same time. Oh, that's uh, true. The, the, the awesome Pip, voiced by Pat Oswalt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'm, I, I want more of that, quite frankly. Um, you know, uh, so I was pretty excited yeah. about that as well. Well, and I guess that sets up Guardians, right? So, like, that was kind of cool. Like, the song we really played... where it's going. It sounds yeah. like Guardians, but, well, like... The, yeah, the music they played, like, while he was there didn't fit Eternals at all. Mm-mm. So, like, it just yeah. seemed like it was kind of setting up a Guardians. I mean, it, it feels like it feels like it's going to Guardians. I don't know. I, I mean... Yeah. It feels like... Go ahead. It feels like he belongs on... Whatever the planet is that I can't remember that Jeff Goldblum runs. Yeah. Not even, like, oh, his yeah. character. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum yeah. himself yeah. is running that planet. Yeah, and it's it's not the Grandmaster, it's just Jeff Goldblum. I would yeah. like to see them in a scene together. That'd be great. Um so Eros is Thanos' brother. Mm-hmm. And Thena is Thanos' cousin. So mm-hmm. was Eros pitting on his cousin? He he was. Okay. Um, <laughs> But I but think space rules are different for incest. Yeah, yeah. There's only there's a small pool of Eternals that you can get with, so you kind of have to make exceptions. Also, like if you're all kind of individually created space robots, are you really siblings, or like is it more of an emotional thing? Okay, that's fair. You you know, I mean, all all of this is, I mean. These are all good questions, and uh, you know I. And also, er, that is very much true to the comics for Eros. Um, he is. He likes pretty um, women. He does like pretty women. He he likes pretty anything. Okay, um, well, he's it's um, Eros. So. It's Eros. Yeah, no, he. Um, That's canon, I think, in every. Uh, in in way he's mythology, in. Yeah. comics, apparently now film. You know, it's just it's just gonna be Harry Styles hitting on pretty much everything that moves, and. Uh, 
Yeah. I can't think of anything more in character, though. So, yeah. so there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, what was your, did I answer your question? I'm sorry. Yes. No, okay. no, you absolutely did. No, okay. you, no, you did. Uh, because I, I, I meant to mention the past films and going forward because I knew that you were really excited by Harry Styles. So I mm-hmm. wanted you to talk about that anyway. So that was, yeah. that worked perfectly. Um, I was going to bring it up whether it went along with everything. That's true. Not. Just yet. Yeah. <laughs> but before we go guys, you know, um, Josh, talk to me a little bit about the antagonist of this film. Um, between the, the deviants and the celestials, what were your kind of thoughts on them as characters and kind of how they were really just, in my opinion, bless Sorry. you, by the way, um, in my opinion, really just kind of thrown in kind of haphazardly in a lot of ways. Yeah, they're bad. Oh, okay. All right. they're, they're bad. They're bad. They're bad antagonists. I mean, that, once again, it, it's it's another thing that happens when you when you have to when you have to turn Icarus, you know, when you have to do that, then the other antagonists seem to be secondary, um, and literally are secondary. Yeah, because yeah. we have a we we have um, is it you said it's Bill Sars is it Bill Skarsgård? Bill Skarsgård, yes. So like you've got literally from, the from, clown from it from it, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you've got him in. You you've somehow gotten him into an MCU movie. Um, one of the one of the I would say one of the better you know one of the better people vocalizing evil that you could possibly have you, know, you give them, you know ten twelve lines in the movie you know and and don't really give them a motivation other than just like because because like <laughs> that, that's the thing like so my, my another question okay what was his plan let, let's say somebody kills all the Eternals okay like what what's next then because like the Earth's still gonna blow up right. So yeah. is he gonna go take down Arishim next? Is that the next thing that's gonna happen? Because and and, and how? And that the, these are these are the questions you don't get answered because you they don't they don't do anything with it. And then and as far as Arishim goes, like I don't I really don't want to get into Arishim. I don't because there's so many existential questions that you have to ask about the character. Um, me and Jenny were extremely confused coming out of the movie. Whether, um, like, what what was he lying about? What was he telling the truth about? You know, is the and, and is the only way that life can be born through the death of another planet? And then if that's correct, then were the Eternals right? And these are movies that you're. And we saw pet suspensers of these characters in Cracker Barrel. <laughs> so like, so you know, th- there's there's issues. There's issues. There's serious issues. With that character, you don't you don't get to under you, you don't get the grasp, and then as far as the uh, abrupt ending where he just shows up, and he's like, "Okay, I allowed you guys to do this, but I'm going to be judging them." Well, based on what? What are you judging them based on now? You know, are 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 the Eternals now supposed to go around and make a more peaceful, happier world? Is that a thing that's supposed to happen? You know, because that's going to make for some pretty boring MCU films. So, like, I, I don't I, like the, the the two the two antagonists. Um, Arishim and, and the 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 deviant. They, Crow. They, they, that's his name. K R O Crow. Crow. Okay. Yes. So Arishim and Crow, uh, I, they just don't work uh, in my opinion. Um, because you don't you don't get enough enough information on them, and they don't give you any information on them themselves. Um. So yeah, this I, I don't know. They're pretty pretty underwhelming. I um. When I when when I first started watching the movie, because uh, because until he becomes 
until he kills Gilgamesh and randomly becomes a a bipedal creature with with uh, vocalization, um, I was actually really okay with the deviants. I kind of like the idea of having this kind of this faceless set of villains, uh, which because it makes sense, you know, if you're going to be introducing so many new protagonists that your antagonist would be just punch, 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 easy to fight, like easy to just kind of very visual characters. You don't really have to do a whole lot with them. This is what they're supposed to do. Yay, we're done. But then, like you said, they're, I mean, you want to talk about a waste opportunity. I mean, at, at least Angelina Jolie, we actually knew who she was in this movie and she makes it out alive so we can see her again. I I am hoping if because if Jim and Chan can play Minerva in Captain Marvel and then gets cast as Cersei in Eternals, um, I am really hoping we bring back Bill Skarsgård uh, for for anything. Um, I'm not even that big of an It fan, but at the same time, like if you're going to have one of the better up and comers for actors, um, I mean. I mean, if you're gonna okay, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be putting Harry Styles in the movie, it makes uh, it makes way too much sense to go ahead and give Bill Skarsgård an actual like leading antagonistic role, as opposed to someone who shows up for the last forty minutes of the movie has like two miniature monologues that are all things we've already heard, and then he just gets demolished by Angelina Jolie. Which, for the record, I liked that part, but I didn't like how it was happening um so no i i it would be cool if we could get him in a role in like one of the thor movies so he could like act across from his dad that'd be super fun Ooh, i didn't that i didn't even think about it like that but yes no Mm -hmm. i okay all right marvel if you guys ever listen to this podcast get at us because Alyssa just gave you a really good idea just you know get get the scars guard family on screen together yeah. There's more of those ideas if you pay me. <laughs> I do social work professionally, so I'm perpetually broke. Um, and and you know what? On the topic of Skarsgård uh, getting recast as somebody in the MCU, even though I despise the character and I despise how much of like a cultural joke meme that this character has become and i kind of hope we don't ever see him the character in anything ever in the mcu oh. if you were going to have a mephisto in the mcu um i think he would be a really great choice yeah no, i i completely agree um and in in fact, now if they get anyone, I'm hoping this was just the this was just the the voice test for Mephisto actually, because now if they get anyone besides him to play Mephisto, because apparently he's everywhere and nowhere at the same time, and he's going to be in every movie. Um, you know, I. What if Asher was Mephisto? Oh my god! Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Um, but yeah, no, Skarsgård would do fantastic on that one. That's yeah, that's definitely one. Um, I would definitely love to see him. Um, all right, Alyssa, let's let's kind of end this a little bit on a, on a high note. Um, this film did get a bit of negative feedback. Um, <laughs> A lot. No, 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 no. Uh, before it even came out. Excuse me. I, I apologize. Um, I got negative feedback from what we're doing because we're actually like 
doing actual criticism. Noah got negative feedback, um, which, I mean, a lot of us didn't even know it because we didn't know these characters. Um, they did a, they did gender and race swapping for Ajax, Sprite, Makari, and Fastos, I think. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and they also featured uh, the first on-screen gay couple for the MCU. Um, Love so what that for them. Yes, exactly. And we and then of course, as we already mentioned, Makari uh, was one of the um, was a very prominent character who has a disability. And so, what were as as you as you know, and as a lot of the people who listen to the podcast know, we always talk about how fandom is for everyone. That's our motto. And we always really want to focus on the representation within things. So what were your thoughts on the fact that they were willing to do make those decisions for this movie and have that kind of representation within it? Yeah, so one thing I do know about the Eternals that I've read up on before this is that technically as a race, they are supposed to be gender fluid in that, like, you know, every however many thousand years when they go to various planets and, like, do their whole reset, they can choose, you know, what sex they want to be represented as on that planet, which is a cool concept. Um, I kind of wish they had talked about that in the movie, Um, but I understand, like, there's way too much stuff going on already. Um, it was really cool to see the LGBT representation with Fastos and his family. Um, their cute as hell kid just kind mm-hmm. of being like one of the few humans that we actually get to see have speaking roles and like actually have a personality, which was kind of cool. Um, Sprite was an interesting character to me because. Again, you know, this is probably just on me for assuming gender or lack thereof. But, like, when Sprite first comes on the scene, my immediate gut reaction was, oh, cool. We have, like, what appears to be a non-binary representing character. And then that was not the case. Um, but the the shape-shifting was interesting. Um, I liked you know, seeing her be able to represent herself as older or younger. Um, I, as far as her character goes, it was interesting seeing like her personality shift a little bit because you get to see her like when they start out being like this super fun, super like expressive person who tells these fantastic stories and, you know, is sort of like a trickster character almost. And then, you know, by the time they get to the Outback, she's like, again, like an absolute fashion icon, got the dark glasses on, hands in the pocket, you know, super, super cool, super laid back, but also, you know, not as expressive and kind of just over the whole deal at that time. Um, so that was an interesting shift with that character. Um, overall, I think they could have done a little bit more with that. Um but, yeah, I don't know if that actually answered the question or not, but I'm glad Fastos had his family. Um, that was, like, a high point in the movie, just seeing, like, you know, this essentially godlike character just absolutely settled down and living in suburbia, happy as can be, um, very normalized, and I liked that. 
Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Um, I, you know, we we mentioned not including uh, humans enough in this movie um, as as showcasing, you know, for uh, for why they're worth saving. Honestly, if they just showed Arishem uh, fastest his son, I, I I think you know. Well, yeah, yeah, no, that that the, the world can stay. You know, I, oh, I, I think that yeah. Can work, you know? um, but no, I you know what's interesting is you and I had the exact same thought actually, um, because I could have sworn that. Um, yeah, okay. I, I I I was just looking at it just to make sure. Um, because like you said, the Eternals are gender fluid and there is a point where Sprite in the comics is non-binary. Um, and because of that, I thought that they were that, and because of that, I got that mixed up, I guess, between the comics and the movie. I thought that Sprite was going to be non-binary in the, in the film. And I think that he was kind of playing it that way. I think at least to me, um, with, with just a lot, a lot of the ways that she kind of like handled handled certain situations, and a lot of like the ways that she acted and everything, I think, I think she was kind of going more so for a like, like she, her, they, them kind of kind of kind of pronouns. It was definitely uh, there were a lot of like the visual aesthetic stereotypes. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, people come in all shapes and sizes. Non-binary people sure. have absolutely the right to represent whichever way they feel most likely represents who they are as a person. Um, I guess non-binary isn't the word I should use there. Describing this particular character more androgynous, I think, is the right word. Um, which, in some senses, I honestly really appreciate. Like, for being a child character represented on screen as, you know, this ancient, eternal individual who never has the opportunity to grow up, they did a fantastic job in, like, the first hour and a half of this movie not sexualizing that character at all. Um and I feel like the only time there were any issues with that brought up at all is when, for some reason, they decided it would be a good idea to throw in the, oh, yeah, she's been in love with Icarus this whole time, which didn't feel necessary. But at the same time, I think they handled it well for having decided to make that call in that, you know, right off the bat, as soon as that came out, you know, it wasn't like an, oh, no, what do we do? It's more of like a, yeah, no, absolutely not. Like, you are still a child. And, like, she recognizes, yes, I am a child. This would be wrong to pursue a relationship with someone who is physically an adult. Um, So I think they handled that pretty well. But, yeah, as far as showing, like, this is a kid, like, she may be 7,000 years old, but she's still a kid. Um, even mentally, you know, very, very childlike in a lot of regards. Um, clearly frustrated by the inability that she has been a child for 7,000 years, but a child nonetheless. Um, and I think they did a really good job of not being weird about that, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I, um, I think throwing in the awkward love story actually hurt her character. I think I kind of agree yes. with you on that. I think you had said that, and I kind of agree with you on that. Um, I kind of liked the idea. I, I kind of liked the idea that she was just upset that she had never grown old and that she had never gotten to experience anything else beyond just that child, the, like you said, the, the childlike mindset and everything. Um, Which, so I really, I really kind of enjoyed that. Um, and that and, absolutely makes sense. Like that tracks. I worked with kids and teenagers for like the last three years and like, if there is anything that I learned in that time, it's that kids around that age hate being kids and cannot wait to be an adult. Mm. And so a lot of the decisions she makes make sense, keeping that in mind that like teenagers, young teenagers in that age range hate that they are not adults and that they are not looked at with the same level of respect and that they don't really get a say in a lot of the adult decisions happening around them. So I understand that frustration where a lot of her character decisions come from at that point as well. So I, I am kind of curious your thoughts on this. If they took out the love story aspect, if they took out the, the fact that she is in love with Icarus as well, and instead just focused on that, do you think that her turn would work as well? I think it would almost work better. I mean, we've seen in this movie already, they did a great job of building the relationship between Festos, or not, sorry, not Festos, um, between Gilgamesh and Fina, showing, mm. you know, just that level of respect and loyalty in a relationship that, you know, again, was never explicitly stated a romantic love relationship. Um, you know, we never know one way or the other, and it doesn't matter that we don't know. You know, we just see this love, this devotion, and this loyalty. Um, I think they could have done something similar, and honestly, it would have been, like, a really cool, you know, a really cool compare-contrast happening there. You know, if we see that between these other characters as well, who, you know if they had been able to build that kind of relationship between those two and just contrasting it to the other relationship. I don't know. I, I think it, I think it still could have worked and it still could have been great. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. All right, guys. Um, final thoughts on Eternals. Anybody? Anybody got anything that they did not say they wanted to say? Um, so I have I have a theory about how Eternals potentially relates back to Thanos and the Infinity Saga that I just wanted to kind of throw out um, into the ether and see if anybody else had a similar thought. Um, or anything about that is what y'all think. So we know from this film now that Thanos is an Eternal, um, or he was an Eternal, 
um, past tense, I guess, that the planet he was on, Titan, we saw, was very much um, destroyed and in a state of 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 awfulness and disarray. Um, so, so the thing I thought about after the movie was, and this also goes back to the fact Ajax says um, when Thanos came and did his blip, he pushed back the awakening of the celestial about five years. Um, is it possible that Thanos's home planet of Titan was a planet that Earth is celestial, and then the reason why Thanos was going around and holding half of the population of all these planets was to prevent the birth of additional celestials after he realized what happened. Like, I don't know. I just had that thought. I think it could come up more with any sequels or any films that include Eros. It'll be interesting to see what Eros has to say about his brother and about what happened uh, with them. But I just kind of wanted to float that theory I had about Thanos and the Eternals and kind of see where it lands. Um, I think that, I think that, I think that theory would definitely work. Um, at least in my opinion, um, because the, I mean, the entire point of Thanos is that he considers what he's doing righteous in a way. Um, and so I think that would kind of work if you literally have a physical threat at that point that he was trying to stave off. Um, you know, but, but, and also then I think that goes back to the conversation that Steve Rogers says, if we don't trade lives, you know, and I think that's kind of, I think that argument is, is missing from this film, um, in a lot of ways. Um, and I think they really could have, like Alyssa said, we have a point where Icarus is literally flying into the sun. I think we, if we're going to be on the nose about things, we might as well just have another heroic scene where we say we don't trade lives just in a different way. Um, and that's why Cersei and the others want to save Earth. I think that, I think that scene is missing from this film, and that's ultimately my biggest issue with it. Um, but to your theory's credit, I think that if they included that aspect in it, like later, where if they want to go into, or if they actually want to mention eventually that Thanos was also an Eternal and that Thanos um, did have a connection to Athena, I think that'd be an interesting way of doing it. Um, but also they've they've already made it that Eros is definitely, uh, I mean, he's mentioned as Thanos' brother in the movie, so that's not just in the comics. Um, so no, I think Eros, I'm kind of intrigued, I'm with you, I'm kind of intrigued to see what he says as well. But uh, But yeah. Side note, kind of related to that, this is something that Al and I kind of didn't really disagree on, but like just saw from different perspectives in this movie. Do you all get the sense from watching that movie the first time through that those characters believed that this was their first mission 
their first planet that they had been to to hunt down the deviants. Because I know for Cersei, for example, like she flat out has a point where she says like, this was my first mission. Like, what are you talking about? But do we, did you all get the sense that the rest of them believed like, oh yeah, this is my first time doing this? Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like Icarus and Ajax uh, both know. Well, and Ajax definitely knows, but it, and it feels like Icarus yeah. knows too. But other than that, no, I think they all felt like it was their first time. Okay, because my takeaway from it was that they all believed, like, this is what they have been doing for forever, is just going around to these different planets and, you know, obviously not knowing the part about um, the planets then being destroyed, but I got the sense that they thought, oh, yeah, like, we just go around to these different planets and we destroy the deviants on these planets and move on to the next one. Like, I thought, that was my takeaway initially, and that's kind of the mindset I had all the way through this movie, is they thought in their minds, whether it was, like, a constructed thought or, you know, not all of their memories getting erased, that they have done this before. Did anyone else get that, or? I I, I mean, I, like I said, I thought that, you know, I mean, I mean, Cersei comes out states if she thinks it's her first time. I feel like, you know, most of them thought it was her first time. But I mean, Ajax and it, it like, and then, I mean, your, your your question goes back to, you know, falls in this movie where like I don't like that's the thing. Like we don't know. I came out of this movie not really knowing what exactly was real and what the plan was to begin with because you just don't get a full explanation of it. And I realize that, that that type of explanation would take a long time, but you, you just don't get it. You, just, uh, you know, the, 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 the exposition on how they're created and everything, you know, like where they're robots, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, that we haven't brought this up, but that doesn't even come into fact of like how, like how is, you know, how, how is Eros both an Eternal and Thanos's brother because if, if Thanos is an attorney was he or was he a robot character you know what mm. I mean? so, so a lot of that stuff Alyssa just didn't make sense to me it's like I don't yeah I guess I guess part of it was I didn't really think about as hard as you did because I knew it wasn't getting explained to begin with you know um but I, it to me it seemed like they, they thought it was their first their first okay, okay. that but was just like a weird... like, who knows <laughs> yeah yeah. Okay, cool. I was just curious what everyone else's thoughts on that was. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, anybody else? Any thoughts? No? I, I, Jenny, Jenny brought up the idea like that this movie was like she thought this movie was inevitable and she's right. As soon as she came out of Endgame, she said, you know, she was pretty, she was pretty dour, you know, about, about the state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But here's, here's what, here's Here's the counterpoint, is that we've gotten three series this year that were very good mm-hmm. uh, to perfect, okay, in my opinion. You got Black Widow, which I thought was very good. You got Shang-Chi, which was very good to perfect. You, then you get this, and I just don't think this was necessary. 
You know, I just don't. I, I just because like I don't. I don't. It, it raises a lot of questions that you know. And and like Al, I think your theory is a really interesting theory. But I just I'm 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 actually already wondering like how much of this stuff's going to get walked back because it just doesn't. We we've already got Kevin Feige saying he doesn't think there'll be an Eternals two or there doesn't need to be an Eternals two, which is weird. I don't know how there doesn't need to be one if you got this threat. And the only reason there doesn't need to be one is if you start walking this stuff back. Um, and that's what I think is more likely to happen is that you know some of these things are going to. You know, we're going to start not really retconning, but like explaining things in a way. Um, you know, I've, I hate to do it, but like almost like Rise of Skywalkering this stuff because mm. like you're going to have to, you have to, you're going to have to make statements now. Um, well, can they not like fix it like in the Marvels movie, like the what's that movie? The well, here's a look. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, here the way the comics fixed is just Doom went up and owned them, you know, and like, and like, I mean that's. Because, I mean, because, like, that's the thing, like, my, 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 I've been complaining about this movie ever since it was announced, guys. And I'm telling you, like, the the the, the comics don't want to deal with this, you know? And, like, because it, 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 it is an issue because, cause like, you know, the comics created Galactus, okay? So you've got Galactus, all right? And Galactus is supposed to be your cosmic threat. And then Jack Kirby came along and was like, actually, there are more cosmic threats, because I, I need I need to do more cosmic threats, and no one's ever known what to do with these characters. And now we've got a movie where like and, and everything else you've got coming out. I mean Hawkeye with Hawkeye Apprentice. There's I don't know anybody that doesn't want to see that. She Hawk. I mean Green Green Hawk Lady as a lawyer. Don't know anybody that doesn't want to see that. Miss Marvel. Don't know anyone that doesn't want to see that. Al is going. Al could spend an hour talking about how awesome Moon Knight is going to be. Okay, I don't know anyone doesn't want to see these things. I don't know who wanted. The, I don't know who this movie was for. You know, and and this and, and it's sad because this movie does so many great things for, you know, to for progressive ideology <laughs> for these movies and, yeah. that has not that has not happened. But then you just you, this is what you gave us, and and it's like it, it it's just really. You know, I, I, I that's, it just goes back. I, I'm not totally sure this was this was a direction we needed to go in, um, but but then again, I could be wrong, and you know, maybe something really awesome will come out of this. I've you know, that, that that's possible. I just don't know what it would be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it did make me very nostalgic for like early on phase one and two Marvel movies. You know, the very, like, for the most part, down-to-earth human problems that they were fixing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it made me nostalgic for Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. <laughs> no, Shang-Chi. Sorry. Shang Sorry, my bad. Um, yeah, no, I think... If this movie did one thing, it made me want to watch older Marvel movies. Um, so there, so there's that. Maybe, maybe it was all just one big Disney Plus uh, ad. That, that's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, Shang-Chi and Black Widow are both on Disney Plus, and they're both great. And you guys should go watch them if you haven't yet. Um, but yeah, that's. I think that's about as good a place as any to uh, go ahead and wrap it on up. Um so, yeah, uh, once again, thank you all so much for listening. There is 
as as Al mentioned during Horror Fest, there's a lot of content out there, and if you guys just sat through an hour and a half with us talking about Eternals, we greatly appreciate it. Um, if you want to show us a little more appreciation, we'd love to see you all on our Patreon. Um, we do have dollar and five dollar tiers. Um, that way you get some exclusive. You'll get start getting some more exclusive content after the first of the year. Um, we're also going to be doing more. Um, <clears throat> I'm also going to be having more uh, previews of the book that I'm currently working on on there as well. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, just we, we definitely appreciate it. It definitely helps us out. Um, but if if not, even just listening to the podcast, following us on social media, talking to us and telling us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of, what you don't want to hear more of, any kind of engagement like that, that helps us out quite a bit, and we really appreciate it. So, as always, we want to remind you that, of course, fandom is for everyone. Thank you all once again so much, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good night. Hi. Cowabunga! <laughs> <laughs>